You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to Real People, Real Hope, a podcast from Wellspring Lutheran Services, a Michigan nonprofit that serves people of all ages. Your hosts are Dave Game and Sean DeFore. We've spent our careers working alongside children, families, and seniors who are in need of hope. The work is rarely easy, but it is rewarding. On this podcast, we'll share stories that inspire us and can inspire you, too, to let hope flow through you. Welcome back to the Wellspring Lutheran Services podcast, Real People, Real Hope. I'm Jill Heiser, Vice President for Mission Advancement, and today we'll be looking at the Wellspring mission. One of the things that drew me to Wellspring was our mission. Motivated by Christ's love, we engage people as they experience and embrace their God-given potential. Christ is at the core of who we are and everything we do at Wellspring. Our staff work tirelessly to be an example of God's love for the people we serve. Just like the story of the woman at the well, it is our desire to meet people where they are at in life and help them not only experience, but truly embrace their God-given potential. When we are successful at this, we know that lives will be changed, families will be strengthened, and communities will be transformed. We believe in the concept of community, where resources are available in an integrated fashion to people at every stage of life. We want to be a wellspring, a source of hope and refreshment, where young and old live together, strengthening one another and receiving the security, services, and renewal they need to live out their full potential. On this episode of Real People, Real Hope, we'll speak with Wellspring CEO Dave Game and Wellspring COO Sean DeFore about our mission, our history, and our future. Welcome to Real People, Real Hope. So, Dave, I was thinking, it has. It feels like it's just been such a short time, but it's actually been six years since we became Wellspring. We certainly didn't start out as Wellspring. There's a rich history of uh, two organizations coming together, um, and that was quite a journey uh, back in, well, technically 2012. We became Wellspring in 2013. Um can you tell our listeners a little bit about that journey so they can understand the history and just appreciate all that had to come together to become Wellspring? Yeah, and so the conversations that got us there really started in 2010. So it's feeling like a decade almost to me, and uh, and it almost is. The um, you know the opportunity back then was for Lutheran Homes of Michigan, which had been serving nearly 120 years at that time in the state of Michigan. And Lutheran Child and Family Service of Michigan, sort of sister agencies, we like to say the same DNA in terms of the sponsorship and start by the Lutheran Church. Really, those two agencies coming together and exploring the exploring a conversation about what the future needed to be, and the fact that these two agencies had been sort of in synchronous orbits in Michigan for really a century plus, um, and yet here we now were in the 21st century. Two organizations started in the 19th century, and didn't it make sense for us, given changes and and community and 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 challenges in in, in our work and so forth? Did did it make sense for us to come together and really combine mission? And that's the question the boards explored back then: was are we will we be better together in delivering mission? And the answer pretty quickly came back: you know, yeah, it 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 will be better, and so. Uh, that started the process that in 2012, we we did join together and 2013, the, the, the name change. So it was quite a process um, and um, uh, really started with the, co- the, the conversation, not about 
from from a business perspective, should we merge and what kind of efficiencies can we get and the sort of things businesses go through um, when they think about affiliating or merging, we came together saying, how can these missions be enhanced? Can we serve people better together? And that's what we've been about since then. Yeah, definitely. And Sean, um, you've been in the human services field for a while now, um, and you just recently came on board with Wellspring. Gosh, it's been probably a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it went so quickly. It did. Yeah, um, almost through his probation period. Oh, right, right. <laughs> We're getting close. We're still measuring that. We'll <laughs> We've had to if, extend it a yeah, few right. times. Yeah. Oh, we'll geez. see if we get through this podcast today. Yeah, no. really. Um, one of the things in conversation uh, with you that you've said is just um, how much you've always been attracted to the mission of Wellspring and the work that we do here. Um, and now that you're a part of us, kind of what – what exactly did you admire about the mission um, and our delivery of it that drew you to join this team? Mm-hmm. So I um, had the opportunity to interact with Wellspring in a couple different places in my career. Um, I was at another Lutheran agency before coming to Wellspring, and we had a, a joint organization uh, between Wellspring and this other agency to do adoptions, uh, Lutheran Adoption Service. So. I had the opportunity to sit with folks from Wellspring through that work um, and the, our trade association, the Michigan Federation for Children and Families. Dave was on the board representing um, Wellspring. And it, it wasn't so much the mission because the mission is similar to the last three organizations I've um, I've worked for. But I, I did love that the mission was Christ-centered um, and – there was it really a, most of it was um, watching Dave as a leader and the way he led Wellspring with this this mantra of is it the right thing to do? Um, that's where Wellspring will go and is Wellspring the right agency to do it? And if those two things are yes, then Wellspring is going to do it. And I saw examples where uh, that was tested in a lot of organizations um, – if it's not in the organization's interest, they'll find reasons not to do it. And right. in Dave's case, it just seemed like Wellspring was the kind of place where if it was the right thing to do and we were the right organization to do it, we'll find a way to make it happen. Yeah. Uh, that's the sort of place and the sort of leader that I wanted to work for and with. Yeah. One of the things that um, I just love so much about this organization um, is that it's very committed to meeting people where they're at. Um, and so one of the questions we get a lot out in the public is why Wellspring? Like what is with the name Wellspring that drew you to it? Um, and we know internally that that comes from scripture mm-hmm. and the story of the woman at the well. Um, so Dave, can you talk a little bit about um, just that part of scripture and yeah. why it's so meaningful to the name? Yeah. So for the first year of the um, affiliation of the two organizations, we literally ran around calling ourselves Lutheran Homes of Michigan and Lutheran Child and Family Service of Michigan. I and will so never forget that. <laughs> you, you blew half of your elevator speech on the name. Right. And uh, so we knew we had to deal with with you know a, a more coherent sort of name and brand so that people would understand us. So we, we really embarked on a on a really intense process. I always say the more complex the, qu- the, the, the question, the more important the process. And so – uh, we got into this process of really discovering what the name needed to be and that started with uh, – certainly with our board um, but also talking to a lot of folks. Literally hundreds of folks went through a series of sort of focus groups and town hall meetings. We also did some electronic surveying and um, uh, tested some ideas and but really listened to people to say, OK, when these two organizations come together – What's what's the promise? What do you what do you hear in that? Mm-hmm. That's the promise, and we distilled it down. All that distilled down to four words, 
and they were hope, growth, life, and uh, and and uh, dignity. And so when we put those four together and we started to think about how do we turn that into a name, uh, we did go to Scripture. And what's interesting about those words in Scripture um, is in the Old Testament, when we see things like life and growth and hope, uh, the Old Testament is full of imagery around water where streams in the desert and, and you know, these oases that were uh, nurturing the people that, that uh, of that time and uh, some of it was – uh, real in terms of what it was offering. Some of it was sort of imagery. Um, but then when you sort of go to the New Testament, we landed <clears throat> in the book of John where Jesus has this extraordinary exchange with this Samaritan woman at the well. And what we learned as we unpacked that um, was that Jesus went out of his way, physically took the long way to where he was going for this sort of divine appointment with this woman who should have been an outcast to him. She was an outcast to her community for lots of reasons. She was on the outside of community looking in and, frankly, to the norms of the day, all the religious, political, social, even ethnic norms of the day, Jesus should not have been there mm-hmm. and they should not have had an exchange. But they did have an exchange because he was committed to be there. And as a result, her life was changed. It was transformed. And it was so transformative that she had to run back to town to get her family and her extended family and her community. And the Bible tells us that it transformed the community. Mm-hmm. And when we when we sort of came upon that, and in that exchange, Jesus offers her himself in the form of living water that, as he says, will be like a wellspring, an abundant, an abundant source, ever flowing, never ending to, to support and nurture. And so – the name found us on that, mm-hmm. and um, and we really use that to say Wellspring will be an organization that is not in the in the normal places, right? Mm-hmm. Is not going to allow the norms of the day to tell us where we go and where we serve. And as Sean's point earlier, it really is about if we can do it, and we've identified a need, uh, we'll figure it out. And God tends to bless that for us. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Um, Sean, one of the things that I know that you are attracted to about um, the organization is the vision of this idea of change lives, strong families, transform communities. Um, and just adding on to what Dave said about kind of meeting people where people, other people normally wouldn't go. Um, can you tell us a little bit about some of the things that we do um, at Wellspring that is exactly that? meeting people where they're at, maybe going places that people wouldn't normally go to serve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so many examples. Um, probably the most, the clearest for me is our work in family preservation, mm-hmm. uh, which for the majority of those programs is done in the home. Um, and this idea that the way we've set up service delivery in, in the human services system in a lot of cases is in an office expecting people to come to us um, and frankly, in a state where we don't have a great transportation infrastructure, just as a very basic, um, you know, example of a barrier. And, uh, part of our meeting people where they're at, uh, is about offering services whenever and wherever possible in local communities, but more specifically in the home. Yeah. Um, and, and just this idea that, uh, 
if you're able to transform an individual, you're able to transform a family because they're part of a family system. And if you're able to transform a family in this home uh, in which you're working, you have the potential to transform a community the same way that that story tells us that that one woman in the well ran back and and uh, not just didn't just grab her extended family, but actually transform the community. It, that's an example of the kind of work um, I think that that follows that um, that mantra. Yeah, and I think just adding on to that, um, for those that weren't able to listen to the first episode, you should go back and listen to it because Sean talked about being a caregiver um, and just how difficult that is. And so, Sean, just adding on to that, can you talk a little bit about um, just our work to meet caregivers where they're at? And um, that's that's a really important part about what we do um, because that's such a vulnerable spot for people Mm -hmm. when they're in that space. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to flip to the senior side of our work and something um, I think Dave is really pushing, uh, pushing us to do to advance our work, which is creating space in our senior care facilities for families to have a much greater role. Um, you know, this idea that the caregiver in taking care of their elderly parent has moments that um, are uh, when that uh, senior, that vulnerable senior is especially vulnerable. Um, and part of what um, keeps that caregiver um, bond strong is the opportunity to provide care in that moment. And part of what makes that vulnerable person feel safe is having a caregiver they trust mm-hmm. providing the care in that moment. How can we create opportunity and space for that caregiver to come into our facility to continue to provide some of that care in those especially vulnerable moments, which would mean a lot to them and mean a lot to the person that we're caring for? And how do we create spaces in our facilities where families can stay over um, if they want to stay with a loved one while they're in hospice but have to ha- have to be in a facility? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, or we know that their time to pass is coming soon and they want to stay with them. Because at the, at the core – Caregiving is really about the loving relationship that undergirds the activity, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And so when the system, um, such as it is, takes the caregiving task away, Mm -hmm. we often see that it also interrupts the loving relationship. Now, that doesn't mean – because caregiving also um, is exhausting and is actually has – negative medical outcomes for folks who are chronic caregivers, long-term caregivers. So we want to relieve that, but we want to do it in a way that honors the loving relationship and supports the caregiving. And, and frankly, the system in, in really all of the sort of generational work we do across the generations really isn't sensitive to, to that supporting the relationship. It's about getting in there, giving care, giving service, you know, fixing problems, and um, and and we want to make sure that we're focused on that relationship and and allowing allowing that to define uh, those those days, not not the tasks of caregiving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I think is really important. I just remember as my mom mm-hmm. was dying, um, that feeling of going into the hospital and the nurses were trying to care for her the best that they could without knowing her and her history, um, and me coming in and feeling so frustrated by that process of. I know my mom. I know that she's not talking right now, but I know what she needs. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I love Wellspring's kind of heart behind the kind of having an active caregiver and making sure that their voice is heard, which I think speaks a lot to our mission. So um, we throw around that that word a lot, mission. Um, But it means something really um, 
kind of deeper to us at Wellspring. And it's something that we um, kind of live and die by mm -hmm. um, every day. Um, and so, Dave, can you talk a little bit about kind of how we measure everything we do to make sure it's in alignment with that mission? I mean, caregiving is a perfect example of it, yeah. that we do it differently because it matters. Yeah. So, you know, I've been at Wells, what is now Wellspring long enough to not really have a memory of working anywhere else, right? I'm 29 years into this thing. And so um, what, what I've learned is um, mission isn't program. Right. Program is an expression of mission. And, and the reason I'm raising that is in talking to colleagues and seeing other agencies do their work, I often hear folks talking about program as the mission. And we see it a little bit differently. And, and so um, the, the key for us is to measure programs' effectiveness as a way of saying mission is being delivered properly. And so we, 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 we measure everything and uh, uh, sort of challenge ourselves uh, always on that sort of improvement path and are we getting the outcomes. And I think lately we've been challenging ourselves to think even bigger about what outcomes are. Right. And so measuring, measuring that relationship piece of caregivers, right, how do you do that? We're not sure yet but we're committed to figuring that out. Right. But some of it's just – you know, talking to people and understanding that, but you also have to turn that into sort of quantitative understandings as well as the qualitative. But um, but for us, mission is not program. Program is the delivery of mission, and so we have to we have to know that and measure that. But at the end of the day, our our mission has been carefully crafted in terms of the words we use to make sure it applies equally to the people we are. Are, are uh, blessed to serve, mm -hmm. but also the people that do the serving with us. Right. As we think about, you know, the God-given potential in each and every person, we apply that to those who, for a time in their life, need our services. But we also apply that to our staff. Right. Always sort of driving our programs forward for them in a way that helps them find and, and attain and take the next layer of potential into their life because there's always another one, right? So. So that's it, it's a it's a powerful thing when you attend to it. Yeah, and we could talk about uh, the team of people that are doing the frontline work. Um, that could be a, a whole podcast in and of itself yeah, it because be. they're yeah. incredible, yeah. incredible. Um, people. So, Sean, one of the things that uh, we get asked a lot out in the community is, um, when do you know that your work is done? So Dave touched on that a little bit of like, you know, what's the what's the end goal? Um, and we always say the end goal would be to not have to do this work anymore, mm -hmm. which we know, unfortunately, because we live in a broken world, that's not a, you know, right. that's not realistic. Um, so what does that look like for you when when you're overseeing operations and you're out, you know, um, rallying our frontline staff, um, what, what do you say about the impact of our work and what that means? Yeah, well, it's a, it's a common social work mantra that our goal is to work ourselves out of a job. Uh, and I, th I think that's true. I think um, what I would say to our frontline staff or do say is that uh, we should aim to provide services uh, with such high quality and in the right places um, so that our goal is that we're not needed anymore. Uh, but sort of I'm going to switch to the the spring, the wellspring analogy, right? Um, water that stands still becomes stale. Uh, and so part of what we also have to do as an organization is while we're trying to work ourselves out of a job in one area is be 
replenishing and moving and looking at what the next need is that we need to pivot towards. Um, so I think our, our goal is to uh, solve the problems that we're working on so we can get out and move toward the next goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we're doing both at the same time. Yeah. And I, I think, Sean, back to your point earlier, um, that's one of the things that's so attractive about Wellspring is just um, our ability to pivot um, and to look towards the future um, and to have an incredible group of people that care a lot about people um, in Michigan. And so, Dave, you know, one of the things that you said early on when we decided to become Wellspring um, is that if we're going to do this, we need to be better together. Um, and so how are you seeing that play out right now with some of the projects that we're working on and the way that we're looking at the future differently? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, a couple of things. First of all, I think what the coming together of these agencies has done if, for me personally, but it, but that translates into sort of directions and, 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 and program ultimately is it's helped me discover that all along the work I had been doing for – at that time, about 24 years directly in just senior services, that that work had all along actually been work with families, mm-hmm. right? And it opened my my eyes and my heart to the idea that we needed to widen the lens on who it is we serve. And so now we see every work, everything we do may have a focus of a client, but it's all family work. And, and strengthening families is what it's all about. And so that has led us to think differently about how we put programs together now. So the idea of making sure we're being intentional about true intergenerational programming, which which we are now defining to be long programs that create longstanding relationships between generations, not just events, right? So when the kiddos come to the nursing home to sing Christmas carols, that's a lot of organizations will say that's our intergenerational offering. And there's nothing wrong with that. We love that. But it's not building longstanding, deep relationships. It's not necessarily honoring relationships that are already there and, and extending them. So we're really at the beginning now of trying to actualize that in our programs and challenging ourselves with every program we start, every program we have to look at and say, how can we expand this intergen- uh, a new word I made up intergenerational programming <laughs> right um, because that's really what it's about it's about the generation nobody nobody lives their life in community in a silo of generations right and yet our systems because of the way they're regulated because of the way we are paid to do our work builds these sort of these castles with these walls and moats around them where old people go here and young people go there and families go here and we we just want to obliterate all that and say it's about family. Families are multi-generational and they're deeply relational and that's where – that's how we're defining our work now. Yeah. When it's – listening to you talk about the relational um, nature of our work and the importance of those relationships also makes me think on the child and family side um, – that we're we're finding more and more the key difference maker for kids and for families is relationships. Mm-hmm. Whether it's the relationship with a therapist that a child has, um, if you and you can measure and quantify that, and the higher quality that relationship is, the the greater likelihood of a positive outcome. 
or the relationship with the caseworker for a child in foster care and the consistency of that relationship. So there's something about listening to you talk about relationships and their importance. I think that really does cut across all of our service lines. Yeah, and, it, and it's it, the difference maker. And it's sort of profound in its simplicity, right? We all mm-hmm. know this. Right. Right. If we had this conversation out at a coffee shop somewhere or at a church group or what, people say, yeah, of course. And yet we have an entire system of service mm-hmm. delivery and care that's built around segmenting generations. And so it's so profound and so simple yeah. that I think there's, I think that's where its power comes from. Yeah. And I'm really excited too when you talk about not segmenting generations but bringing them together. Um, Sean, as you're kind of – in this uh, transition point to now mm-hmm. overseeing both child and family and senior services, um, what wakes you up in the morning and gets you excited about the the future of this work and bringing people together um, in a really meaningful way? Yeah, some of um, now uh, being able to see both the senior side, the child and family side, and even just listening to Dave talk about breaking down these walls and silos we've built across generations we're seeing more and more um, the commonality um, around challenges that these silos that we've artificially built are facing, right? Whether it's drug addiction and the opioid crisis, we're seeing it impacting kids, we're seeing it impacting families, we're seeing it impacting seniors. Um, trauma and how that plays out and how we need to be taking care of folks, um, the needs that they have, the behaviors that they're showing – we're seeing that in children and in seniors and in families, defining how we work with them and how they're showing up in the world. Um, the caregiver piece that we talked about, uh, and in a lot of ways, everybody is a caregiver in some way, shape, That's or right. form. Right? right? We see a lot of adolescents that are the primary caregiver for their siblings mm-hmm. because their parents aren't able to be uh, caregivers. Uh, the parents as caregivers, the caregivers of um, fragile seniors who were previously caregivers of those children. Um, just it, more and more we're seeing these common issues that cut across um, where Wellspring needs to focus its work. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, there's more that we have in common than we have that's different across those generations. That's what's waking me up excited right now. Yeah, we could layer on top of that the, the, the need for uh, accessible, affordable, safe housing mm-hmm. for right. know, entire generations and um, – and, and and the uh, the opportunities to think about how we do that work right. in a way that that brings people together, which is only going to get be even more critical as we reach the boomer stage here. Which we we're going to mm-hmm. do a whole another podcast on that. So you guys are going to need to tune in for that that podcast as well. So I want to wrap up with one kind of thought question um, that I would love for both of you to answer for me. Um, it's a two-part question. So first, uh, what do you lo- love most about what our organi- organization stands for? And then the second part would be um, we're only as good as kind of inviting people into our organization, meaning um, we could not do this work without a lot of people supporting us, whether it's donors, whether it's listeners educating themselves, whether it's legislators uh, that we go out and advocate um, important policy changes uh, with. So um, how how can we better engage people to be a part of this work? So I'm going to go to your first question first. Okay, and it's been a while now, so I'm trying to remember what it was. Because <laughs> um, that second one was sort of a run-on question. You're right. I have too right? many words, Dave. Yeah, a lot of words. 
<laughs> so the yeah, the preamble was sort of long. So um, <laughs> you know what what I love about where we're at as an organization is how we view ourselves in terms of um, looking for those gaps and 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 trying to fill them. Sean talked earlier about you know challenging ourselves to say you know is there a gap and can we fill it and if we can then we feel like we must and we don't always do it alone sometimes we find partners sometimes we you know think differently about how to do that but we will take the lead and we do that because when there are gaps that means there are people in our communities who are who are struggling who are forgotten and who do not have the opportunities to even begin to think about a future and when you've stopped thinking about a future, you've you've lost hope, mm-hmm. and we're all about hope. Yep. And so um, I think that's what I what I what I love about Wellspring and where we're at right now. And then doing that through this sort of intergenerational lens, challenging the status quo, thinking differently about about the future. And I think how do we engage people? I think we engage people by helping them find themselves in our passion, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and in the great big world out there, it may not be for everybody. There are many, many causes, right? Right. Um, but I think we've learned that as we articulate who we are, as we talk about the impact we can have, as we talk about the, the, the way we do our work, the more we can get that in front of folks, um, I think they enlist. Right. Right. And it's not about us trying to convince them of anything except that help them understand and discover that – Part of their passion is probably here right. and they can they can live their life purpose by supporting the work we do and more importantly supporting the people in their communities who are part of the work we do. Beautifully said. Sean, do you need to, me to repeat the question? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been about a half an hour since you, you right. said it. <laughs> no. It was a 15-minute long question. So I'll, I'll just do it in two parts. Yeah. It'll be so much easier. Less uh, words, right? <laughs> that, that's what you said last time. Oh, you? boy. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> so what, it, uh, what do you love most about what the, our organization stands for? Let's start with that. Yeah, so the, the mission being focused on – uh, human potential and walking alongside people while they um, sort of recognize and meet their God-given potential. What I love about that is every segment of the population that we work with, I think, are traditional populations that traditionally society doesn't value, um, whether it's seniors uh, who, you know, we have this whole thing. And I, I think we may even have a podcast about ageism at some point. But mm-hmm. um, they, for whatever reason, our society seems to devalue the contribution that seniors can make um, and the aging population can make um, even after they stop working uh, or even when they become frail. Um, same with uh, people that are in extreme poverty or children who uh, have gone through extreme trauma or families that are struggling to even hold together. And this idea that we recognize the potential in all of those people and our role is to help them reconnect with that potential and envision a better future for themselves and give them the hope, um, which gives purpose and reason for living. Uh, That's exciting. That's an exciting calling. Yeah. And so when you see someone on the street that asks about Wellspring, how would you invite them into our mission? Uh, There are so many opportunities. I mean, first I would ask them what their passion is. And my guess is if they're passionate about helping people or a population – we have somewhere where we connect with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and once we figure out what that passion is, 
uh, we can figure out the uh, the approach um, to, that they can use to live that passion, whether it's working for us, um, coming on as an employee, volunteering with us, um, acting as a mentor, donating to us so mm-hmm. they can um, help support one of our uh, wonderful programs or uh, new initiatives that we're trying to create. Um, or even just uh, spreading the word uh, about what it is we do and, and how we do our work. Yeah, which is a perfect ending because everyone listening today is already actively involved in our mission because you took the time to listen today and educate yourself. And we hope that you are going to share everything that you learned with people, not only uh, just through talking with them about the mission of Wellspring, but hopefully sharing this podcast. So Dave and Sean, um, thank you so much for sharing your hearts with us today. And um, Dave, I know you were a part of bringing this massive mission of Wellspring together um, almost a decade ago. Um, And so thank you for just being a visionary and um, seeing where we could go with this uh, amazing organization. So we hope we inspired you today. Uh, We hope you'll take the time to uh, share this podcast with other people. And we look forward to you joining us for the next episode of Real People, Real Hope. Thanks for listening to Real People, Real Hope, the Wellspring Lutheran Services podcast. If you've been inspired by the stories you heard today, share this podcast with someone you know, someone who could use real hope in their own life.